Hola, amigas. Mi nombre es Rita Bautista, and I am the founder of the Latina Podcasters Network, a platform created to globally amplify the voices of Latinas who podcast. I started my company because I wanted to hear the voices of my community and my people reflected back into my ears. Well, this podcast is dedicated to all of those dreamers and founders who decided that they also wanted to take a chance on themselves and create something for their community. In Empodera Latina, you'll hear stories from CEOs to social media experts, moms, tech company owners, and leaders from across the world that are all Latinas here to share their stories with you weekly. Stay tuned. Hola, amigas. We're back for an episode of Empodera Latina. And today I'm so excited to have one of my really great friends, Luz Maria Mack, an author, a mother, and an awesome badass who is an entrepreneur and continues pushing through every single day. Luz, thank you so much for being here with me. I am honored to have you on. Oh my God, Bestie. I'm so honored to be with you and seeing you in all your sabor, coño. That's my girl. <laughs> Thank you so much. So you guys, just a quick background. I got a chance to meet Luz last year during the pandemic, and we met in the Enya Dream Accelerator that is hosted by Denise Soler-Cox. She's a filmmaker, and I mean, she does just everything that you need. She's like a, a fairy godmother. La and madrina right there. La you madrina. Le tiene que besar la mano. Bendición. And, you know, one of the great things about being in an accelerator program with Latinas in general is that you get to connect to people who are really creating waves in, in our community, in our culture, and doing some amazing things. And I got a chance to connect with Luz. And Luz has been basically my soul sister from the moment I met her. So I'm really excited for her to be here. A little nervous because, you know, she's like my sister and family. And it's always just so exciting to hear and let people talk about the amazing works that they're doing. So Luce, I'm really happy to have you here. Oh my God, an honoris meal. I love it. So Luce, you're really proud of being where you're from. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Like where were you born and how did you get here? Yes, so I was born in Villamella, Republica Dominicana, a beautiful island also known as Dominican Republic, woo woo but I'm very much a Dominican New York, which means you're born in the island, but raised in New York City from Washington Heights. Like talk about like, bam, 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 bam. Like I hit all the corners. So a lot of my culture and upbringing was like really trying my best to harness like my cultural upbringing from Dominican Republic and being here, like, you know, like very Dominican from there, but very Washington Heights from here. And I grew up with a lot of individuals and kids my age that had the same experience. So it was very much something I grew up learning and loving. But at, when I was little, at first I was like, wow, this sucks. Like you don't feel so special, right? But you learn to embrace it when you get older and you love it. What was that one thing that helped you really like embrace being 
Dominican Yorican or <laughs> no me acuerdo como lo dijiste. Uh, oh, Dominican York. Dominican yeah, York, that's the thing. <laughs> no socks, wearing sneakers, walking up Dykeman, being like, oh, ¿quién tiene el mofongo? You know, like going up and eating, going to the best restaurants. And when music comes out loud, you know it's summer in New York when, you know, you hear Bad Bunny right now because that's the thing or Aventura playing loud and you just dance on the street. Like, there's no problem with that. So that's how you know you're from New York and happen to be Dominican. So a little mofongo, some bachata Chata, on the streets. Yeah. Personally, I can also feel that statement that you said, I think a lot of the people that are listening to have either experienced that or are going through that now. And it's so it's so funny because I remember that movie from La India Maria and it never realized that it was oh going God. to be so pivotal, right? Or so important to like explain that experience, right? Of, of how do we create that bridge between being from another country or having cultural connection to another country and then being here every time you walk outside of your house you're experiencing something completely different versus what you feel on the inside you've been able to take that and embrace it and now almost mold it into what you're doing for your profession and and how you're able to translate that into your books no i was going to say it's hard because when you're growing up like you learn to edit yourself and i'll use that word cuz we used it, you used it previously, like you're kind of scared to show your true self in a lot of like realms, like the professional realm, the academia realm and all these realms. Cause people, I don't know what happens, but like when you get older, there's a sense of like, you know, you get a little, you get a like, oh, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Like you just, you just, you're playing double Dutch. You don't know when you're going to jump in, but you know, you can't be yourself when you do jump in. You have to be like on your P's and Q's. But then I started noticing individuals that I respected the most and I learned a lot from, they were themselves 100%. Like they enjoyed it. They welcomed you to be yourself. So that's what kind of like triggered me to say like, hey, like if there's only one me and I have to, you know, people have to love me or, or leave me as I am. So um, the pivotal moment for me was my kids because I think they were struggling to identify who they are. I still think they're going to go through that in life because no matter how much as a parent, you try to coach them and help them, they always go through these phases, right? So seeing my kids go through that kind of like kind of jumpstart something in me saying like, who am I as a mom? Who am I as a person? And trying to helping them kind of see that and like love it as well. How many kids do you have? Oh my God, I have three. Oh my God, just have one for experiencia, you know? <laughs> They're expensive. I mean, but you know, when they, you see those people being like, hey, mommy, 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 like you love it. But when they start asking for Jordans and trips around the world, and like my son asked me like, hey, mom, can we rent an Airbnb to the Hamptons? Oh my God, these, this kid is asking for a house in the Hamptons. And I'm looking at him like, I don't got no Hampton money. Not yet. But... Not yet. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of not yet, but it's coming. What inspired you to start writing? What inspired you to be like, you know what? I gotta, I gotta talk to these kids. I gotta give them a little bit of this sasson that I have. I have to like <laughs> figure out how to animate this. Like, how did you get that inspiration? Oh wow! It really, honestly, it really came from a lot of pain. And I'm not gonna say it was all roses. This shit is not for the weak at heart. And I, and you know that because we've had these conversations. Because, um when you have your kids, you relive a lot of your pain. And I have to be very brutal about that. 
And it came, it, it came like in such a funny way. Uh, my 10 year old just released her book, The Cheesy Story that you saw and I was so proud of. Um, she, when she was little, she asked me if she could dye her hair blonde and she just didn't like how she looked. She didn't like her hair texture. She just, she was struggling so bad. I remember I had a painting of an angel that my grandmother, Tejio Amano, and that's like a big thing when people make things in our country, like we have to like, almost like sanctify it and glorify it. Like the angel was supposed to be like looking over the house, but the angel was white, blonde hair. And it just like, like I remember just looking at the angel and almost like disgust, not because it symbolizes anything bad because here am I trying to tell a little girl who's like three or four at the time, love yourself, you have beautiful hair. And then I started looking at everything critically, you know, the children's books that were out there, there were barely any kids that looked like her or represented our families. Then I have these paint that like is that pintura Echamano, Angel, and then like a lot of her family is a variety of shades, but she just felt so different. It just made me think about my own insecurity when I was young. And like it spoke a lot to me, but I think the biggest struggle was when I, I dropped her off to, she, she was going to this private nursery and it really hit home when I saw her play with her three little friends. Her three little friends look like sisters. They're not sisters. They're just, you know, they're friends and they all looked alike, right? They all had like lighter hair, lighter eyes, white skin. And I could see Chloe doing this to her hair. Like she was like really, really wanting to look like them. And she had her cute little, I think it was Hannah Anderson's little dress to match her friends. But she, she just felt like she stuck out so much. And she was just like, mama, I really want to have blonde hair. That was it. That pain like really stuck out there. So um, I was really like distraught. I talked to her teacher about what, what can I do? Like and, and the, the school itself is a beautiful school. They try to talk about uh, loving the color you're in in such a positive way with food. They took like chocolate, fudge, vanilla, and all these things and had the kids taste it saying how yummy and how our skin tones are just like food. Like we're all yummy in our delicious way. It was so funny. And, and, and talk about Love like, <laughs> talk about like what a simple way to talk about diversity with colors of food that were like creams all the way to real chocolate. But then she talked to me about telling stories about my own family or about leaders that we love. Mm -hmm. And that's what uh, inspired me to tell my, my, my childhood story. And when I was doing that, uh, I took it a step further and decided to just write a book about it. But I had no clue how to write a book, never done it before. Needless to say, I don't know any writers like in my network of family and friends that ever written a book. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna write a book. But I was really saying that de la nada without knowing anything. And that's how it came about. That's pretty powerful because for a lot of Latinas in this country in general, like a lot of us didn't have that role model figure to say, okay, I can be a writer. Or I can be an author. Or I could be, I mean, a podcast network owner, right? Like I can't, I, I don't have anybody to model that off of, but at the end of the day, that audacity is so important. And it's so awesome that you are almost like self-motivated to do yeah. these kind of things. And now 
that's translated into your daughter who now she can look up to you and be like, oh, well, my mom was an author. So it's no big deal. Like I could just I could just write a book at 10. It's not a big deal. But like you're <laughs> you know, like you've paved these ways for people who naturally wouldn't have <clears throat> excuse me, naturally wouldn't have that mentor. To do those kinds of things, and sometimes people have to do the hard things in order for a new generation of people to come through that that difficult time, you know, that difficult space. So, how do you motivate yourself in those times that you're creating and you're you're basically like breaking the concrete? How do you motivate yourself to to get up and and break the concrete? It was weird because honestly, I wasn't doing it for any money. I wasn't doing it for thinking this was going to become anything of it. I did it for, you know, those little eyes that when she saw the book, she shared it at her school. And mind you, my, my daughter goes to a pretty badass school with like a lot of already self-made individuals, like authors, uh, um, people that own a lot of like amazing things. And she was just so proud. She's like, my mom is going to come and do an author event. And like, she was like selling it. And I think that's what motivated me. It, it, it came from somewhere, but it was honestly pure, pure love of my child. Um, right now, she doesn't think I'm pretty awesome, right? Now, but that's a different story. So let's keep it 100% real. But when she was in kindergarten, I was like, I was it. I was better than sliced bread to her. But um, that translated into me actually being like, oh my God, I am this author like her seeing me like that. And then I decided that I had more stories to do like or more stories to share. But it was that, it was like, how can I motivate my kids? And now I'm writing like almost out of habit because I love it. But I wouldn't have discovered that if I wouldn't have dared myself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So do you still struggle with imposter syndrome? Because it sounds like, you know, you didn't believe that you were an author until it came out of you. But a veces eso ya está dentro de uno, right? You're you're almost like this constant battle with this person on the inside of who you really are, and then like oh what's really God. happening, right? So, do you still battle with imposter yeah. syndrome? Yeah, I really do. I think it was like in a conversation with Denise. I'm like, I'm an author. I said it, but like I said it almost surprisingly, like, oh shit. <laughs> She's like, Luce, you already wrote like five books. What are you talking about? And I'm like, no, no, but like, listen to what I'm saying, like. Like I used to say I dabble in writing, but I had no idea I like claiming it. It's, it was like one of the biggest steps in my life. The other step that was really amazing to me was realizing that even though I'm an author, I wanted to produce beautiful content as animations. And I didn't think I had that in me. I still want to animate and possibly uh, go into producing more work. But it, it had to start from somewhere. Like you have to start doing like the first step. Like, and I started with something as simple as writing things down in a paper. But like, I, there were times I didn't think it was good. There, there were times I still didn't believe I was doing this. But when I did it and I saw a finished product, regardless of how people felt, I was like, oh my God, that's me. Like, this is all of me. Not, you know, this is pure me. This is an area of me. Like, and I kept loving each side of me in a weird way I feel like I've become more confident and love myself more because I was able to dare and push myself more and there's no you know there's a lot of haters out there and a lot of people that will say negative things when someone's trying to do something good 
but I didn't care because I was like, I'm finally living my moment and discovering my truth. Love that. And discovering your truth, you've been able to create how many books at this point? Oh my God. Uh, so we're stepping into <laughs> number eight. See, Dios quiera. It's really nine because I really helped my daughter. So I had a I have to kind of say I kind of co-produced her book, although she says, no, it was only her. My daughter <laughs> illustrated it and she was the, the writer of it, but I did help with the edits and the, a lot of the art that work that she did. So I helped her look at things a little critically. So she's really excited about that. That's awesome. So what are the names of some of the books that are out there right now? So right now, uh, one of the most famous projects is the Maria Project, what I call is Pequeña Maria Little Maria. Maria la Super Ayudante, Maria the Super Helper, Maria Descubre Su Baile, Maria Discovers Her Dance. Uh, there's animations tied into those books. They're all bilingual and there's Instagram filters so kids could enjoy it in multiple ways. And the last book of Maria was published through Dominican Writers Association, which is an amazing platform for anyone who's interested in becoming a writer. They do give and provide a lot of resources. Um, another book that I did was Natalie the Brave. And it was recently featured in New York Cares here in New York City, which to me, it was like, oh my God, like I was, I think I was telling Denise something funny about it because I was like, oh my God, I presented to a sponsor company my book and they liked this for like women's women's month. I was like, I never, I never, I never thought, you know, it would get that recognition. And when I voted last year, when I first joined EDA, I was like, this book is special. And I felt something special about the book, but to hear a company say, no, this book is really special and it's gonna represent this, our community. I was like, oh, it happened. Like I, I felt like I manifested that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And some of my other books, uh, one is inspired by my son is called, uh, let's brush, brush, brush our teeth together. He hates brushing his teeth and uh, the elephant family parade. It sounds like the themes are all like related to your family. Like you're getting inspiration from your family, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And if they ever feel like I don't love them, they could just look at the collections of books. Like <laughs> the only book that it's not really about my family with all, with all honesty is it, start, it starts with you. Cause that, that was a song inspired by, uh, something that I watched in the news that was really sad. And it was like, uh, that shooting in that uh, club in Florida that they mm. get a little, a lot of gay people. Um, and I think I was inspired by one of the news stories on that uh, thing that happened that was really traumatic was that what would make a, a child pick up a gun and decide he hate, hate, hates people so much that he wanted to kill them. So, it was that kind of like reclaiming our power and trying to tell kids like, you know, you're powerful and you have a lot of love to give almost like, you know, and there's people out there that don't know you and love you. So I get emotional when I think about it because my, we have loved ones that are gay and we would hate for them to get, go through any hate crime. I think one of the things about our community and our culture in general is we need to do better at accepting gayness as as something more natural versus yeah. it being something that changes a person altogether like 
if we get to that point where we all just accept each other, like those things don't really matter because it's not like we're sitting there in their bedrooms with them. People should just allow people to do whatever they they please and and stop that hate for others just because it's probably just something that they don't understand. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember that shooting in Orlando was so horrible. It was so impactful. Yeah. yeah. It impacted me like for a whole month. Like I remember like crying about it and it, and you could like, in all honesty, I didn't know anyone personally that died there, but it was like enough to shake me to the core to be like, wow, like this is the true world we're coming to that if we don't manage our emotions or our feelings or help kids, you know, there was a saying when that shooting happened, like back in the day, you cared about your children and the children was that were down the block. And the, the society that we're living in, we only care about our children and forget the kids down the block because they're not our responsibility. I feel like I want to take it back to that mentality. Like, yeah, there's some kids there that aren't being taken care of, that they're still our responsibility. They're still our problem. And I don't want to use the word problem, but if that's how others see it, like they have the right to feel loved by others too, by their teachers, by their community and inspire. So we need, I feel like there's a lot of ways to do better. And I, I hope, and I pray that I have those opportunities so I could show that. That's pretty powerful. I mean, how do you think, I remember growing up as kids, right? We could go outside and play and like most kids didn't want to stay inside. And most of these kids nowadays, like you don't see kids on the street like you used to. Like I remember being out there y cuando gritaba la mamá, okay, they call yeah, ya es tiempo para que regresen a la casa. I remember like, you know how, how they'll be like, oh, don't send your child without an adult outside now. My mom would send all of us and be like, go to the park and don't come back till it's like eight or nine o'clock. Obviously, yeah. sorry, mommy, if you're listening to this, <laughs> but you did say that shit. Yeah. <laughs> you needed a break from us. So we were like just getting dirty or me sitting like, I don't want to play no more. I want to eat food and be home watching TV. Yeah. But like, you know, you know, there a lot of people didn't have uh, luxuries of babysitting or after school programs and things like that. So us being outside, and playing with each other was our, you know, our source of entertainment. Yeah, it was our Facebook and our Instagram back then. That was our social yeah, media. Yeah, that was TikTok. Or like I told my kids, <laughs> that was TikTok, the original TikTok. <laughs> si eres como yo, se te hace difícil a veces ser un podcaster independiente y seguir subiendo podcasts constantemente. Porque no tenemos una comunidad con quien conectar. Ahora tengo la solución. Latina Podcasters Network te da conexión a comunidad de podcasters y también te da tu propia página en el directorio más grande de Latinas Podcasters en el mundo. Tenemos la plataforma que conecta con más de 70 podcasters. No esperes más. Visita latinapodcasters.com para agregarte a la plataforma más grande del mundo de podcasters amplificando las voces de latinas. Well, you know what? I was going to ask you a question. Like, what have been some of the challenges that you faced during, I would say, your production of your books or like creating, like, what are some things that you are like, man, that that was a challenge or like that was difficult to face? I feel like each uh, book and moment of creation was a challenge because there, you know, I, um, I, 
like I, uh, for the most part, I had been a self-published author. So raising the money, uh, getting the artist to work with me on the projects and then paying for editing, paying for all these additional things have been challenged getting beta readers, um, getting beta readers that understood the message. I think one of the most challenging things it was with my first book, I didn't understand any of that process, you know, cause I just did it on my own for my child, right? But once you get better, you learn other skill sets that come along with it, you know? And I remember there was this one reader that told me they didn't get it or they didn't get why I needed to be bilingual. And it kind of hurt to my core because they didn't say anything wrong, you know? They, they just stated something that they didn't relate to. But it also made me realize how much work we had to do to show how there's a lot of cultures here that aren't represented. And there's a lot of storylines that are not being accepted. I think America is very much a one-sided story and I say America because that's, you know, in publishing country and the publishing industry, we're still a one-sided story. So they keep saying it's the American story, but that's not true. You know, like there's not capturing all of us. And we're, America is pretty much a, a melting pot that is still not represented as such. We saw that with that book, American Dirt. I don't know if everybody remembers that last year. That was a big um, one. Yeah, it was such a horrible controversy because and as a person who believes in the freedom of speech, I felt bad for the woman because of her, it was her work, right? Essentially, at the end of the day, she was kind of put in a position where she got a deal. She got a book deal to write a book. And I'm pretty sure any one of us, if we are at the height of our creative journey, get a deal and that deal looks great. You don't know what the backlash is going to be. And they kind of used her I wouldn't say they used her but it was a pawn move right like yeah yeah that's supposed to be talking about the immigrants journey to the U.S. and you let somebody who has never experienced that has never has no um connection to it mm -hmm. other than the fact that she wrote or their name to it right <laughs> right let's get to the nitty gritty not exactly. even the experience of changing your name to be american to be you know like like i understand they they're not really speaking of that 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 journey like they didn't journey to be american you know like Right. They didn't have that opportunity. So I get it. And I, I'm not even upset at the opportunity she took because I once you understand the publishing industry, you're like, hey, I'll take it in a minute because you're trying to get your work out there and validate your skills set. This is a very hard space to be in as as I can't imagine what her life is going to look like. But I think at this point she can come back and write another book, but it just would probably not be in the in the experience of the immigrant um, no. and the publishing, like you said, the, the, the publishing houses have to understand there are a bunch of Latinos out here who are writing, who've been writing for years, who they could have picked to elevate the, the, the writing of this book or to, uh, to even approach, to write a book of this kind of, uh, of this, you know, of this nature, like why give ourselves an opportunity to even put people in this position in the first place. Right. No. It, it's just no, like a lack a of point. Research. 
And hopefully they start picking up on all of these books that you have out here. <laughs> I will tell you one thing. I was on a panel, which was a, an amazing opportunity uh, for Queens Public Library that they had something uh, for uh, Dominican Independence Day and in publishing in children, the children's book space. And one of the panelists has written over 20 books. If I'm hoping I'm not misquoting her, she got publishing deals and it wasn't after her first book, her second book, her fifth book, she was talking, it was like almost near the end. She had written so many books and like self-published on her own that she started getting the opportunities that I feel like were really much owed to her because she was really changing the game in, in, in many respects. So I kind of want to like put that message out there just because you're not getting a seat at the table doesn't mean you can't go create your own fucking table. Like people need to become clear on that. You know, you hear a lot of comedians that get on Netflix, they produce their whole show and then sell it to Netflix because they didn't have the opportunity at the first place. Like, so don't, don't think that can be you producing something. Like, don't think you have to be at the mercy of a publishing house. I respect publishing houses. I think there's a lot of great opportunities that come with them. But if they're not offering you a seat at the table, you don't want that table. You need to, you need to create your opportunities. You have one life to live. So make sure you go out there and do what you want with it. I love that because I think more and more people are starting to realize like that table wasn't necessarily built for us. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Like yeah. you don't have to elevate yourself to be their table you can be yeah. their table and bring other people who look like you along and like we have to get to a point where we're we are motivating ourselves to create the banks to create the the corporations to create the businesses that elevate our stories and who also don't have a diversity and inclusion uh department because they already started with diversity and inclusion from the beginning because they are diverse and they are Thank inclusive you. and their language is representing diversity and their mission is yeah like i believe in that and i know me and you have gotten on a lot of those conversations on um, you know in, in our private calls but i think one of the things that i was always kind of like upset about is that and this is me speaking about me 15 years ago like not knowing what to do, not even not knowing how I wanted to go with my life. I used to think, and I know so many people that still think like I used to, that you had to be with this skill set or from this college or from this socioeconomic background to even try for it. Guess what, y'all folks? They don't know any better than you do. So yeah, they have some cushion, like they have some funds, but it doesn't mean you can't try for it. Like it took me a long time to figure that out. Because once you see the individuals that are out there making these uh, these opportunities for themselves, it doesn't mean that you don't have the same thing they do. They have the same drive, the same motivation. Some could, they have their own unique talent. And I think that's what people forget. You forget to incorporate your skill set, which is your talent, you know? I, I think uh, my friend Victor, who also has been very key in a lot of the production of Maria for making them animations. He goes, like, I've worked with many individuals and we were, I was like uh, congratulating him on the great work he did for the, 
the latest animation. He goes, but you have this ability to drive your team in such a motivating and compassionate way. That is a skill set, like he said, many entrepreneurs lack. And I felt like that was such a huge accolade, like to have that to me, like that was the biggest award. But I was telling him, but that means you have that too. And I want, and that's the message I wanted to drive home. You go out there and work with people that are doing the same things you want to do and have the same drive and mission you want to emulate. Don't go working for these crummy people that are not going to represent you or acknowledge you or even give you an opportunity because that's not where you want to be. That's that's not it. You know, they don't got the platano with salami, like I said. <laughs> you don't want to eat that. You want to eat your stuff. And I think the other thing about that too is is like getting to that point where we're not taking pennies on the dollar. Uh, no, you know, for me, yeah. I had a, a, an experience recently with a big corporation that wanted me to come in and speak to the Latinx department in their company and give them my information for free. And I was like, no, thanks. first I was willing to do it. I mentally thought about it, though, because I was like, oh, this would be a great opportunity. However, after that, after I got off that call, I had a really weird feeling in my stomach. We call it our intuition. Right. And it told me, you know what, Rita, if we're out here promoting people having to get paid market rate or higher for our voices, for our stories, it's time for these companies to be held accountable and they have to pay for our voices. No more giving your stuff away for free. We've gotten to this point. It's 2021. Life has changed completely. It's time for us to get paid and not be afraid to say no. Don't take a penny to, to, to avoid a dollar. Uh, we're just as valuable and right now even more so valuable. Our dollars are a lot more powerful than people think they are. Especially I'm glad you talked about the money piece because, yeah, money is important. And, and I have to admit, I've done a lot of work for free and in the past, and that's something I've struggled with. And I know you and I have had these conversations where you're like, Luz, don't do anything for free no more. Like your time is valuable. And it's true, but it took me a long time to get to that point in time to be like, oh my God, I, this is what X amount of time of work I did for free. And now that I'm charging for my time, people are like, oh my God, like not only are they taking you more seriously, but you, they see what you're bringing in. So I'm glad you had that opportunity to uh, show your worth, you know? Yeah. And I said, no. <laughs> and sometimes you guys, you say no to something and the doors open so much larger for the bigger things. You know, think about the value that you're adding to the community when you tell somebody, no, I'm not going to let you take advantage of my story anymore. Sorry. If you want my story, you pay for it. And it's not about money to be greedy. It's about everything in life has a value to it, even if you don't give it an actual value. And the only yes. way that people value your story and we'll continue to value our stories and you know pay for the value in our stories is if we get to a point that as a community we stop taking zero dollars like esa humildad's got to go out of the window because oh my God, yeah. you can't pay your bills on humility yes i think who was it someone had said this story about when you're like the people that get promoted the quicker quicker at jobs is not because they're being humble about it. It's because they're like, ah, oh, I did A, B, C, D. I need to be paid for this. 
this ha this is how it helped your company grow in dollars and this is how much time it took me to do that when i started seeing that kind of like ability to advocate for yourself i was like yeah i need to be more of a the advocate or the the leader in asking for loose's paycheck in such a good way you know because that paycheck needs to go to the three kids that are asking for money every two minutes for that airbnb in the hampton yes, yes. what <laughs> this guy was like picking the airbnb he picked i mean like okay you could tell he's my son he's seven he sends me a link to this house that's nine hundred dollars a day I'm not mad that the house is $900 a day. I mean, like the damn house looked like out of a commercial, but I was like, how did you even know how to look for this? He's like, oh, that's easy. I Googled Hamptons, put it in Airbnb. That was it. <laughs> these kids are smarter than we are these days. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, and one of the things too, I was going to say, like, uh, I think it's, uh, who was it? Chris Rock or, uh, or Kevin Hart. Mm -hmm. He says, you got to be your own you will have to be your own star player. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. That's Kevin Hart. Be the star player, be the cheerleader, and be the motivator. I think he said something like that to that yeah. effect. <laughs> you got to, every day you wake up, you got to be like, you are the best. Every single day, even if you don't feel like it, just be like, I am the best. I am all of this. And like affirmations all the way. I mean, I, you know, you know me, I, I believe in all that stuff. Some days I have hard, hard days too. And it's like, Sometimes you just got to repeat that in your head, even when. Yeah. 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 I'm starting to believe in the power of affirmations really strongly. I feel like uh, this last year and a half is that I started really playing into affirmations. Because at first I used to say, like, yeah, I'm hopeful. I, I'm very positive about it. But there was something when you write it down that you're really cementing the belief that you believe in affirmations. So I started writing it down more. So that was thanks to Denise and thanks to you. And, and the people sharing what they are affirming in their life. Cause I feel like that's a skill set you have to build up for. You know what I mean? Like that's not something that you come with it. Cause you know, the world does such a good job at beating you up about it. Oh, that's a good, that's a good point. And it kind of goes back to um, we asked you like, how do you describe your personal life experience? And you said a dreamer that makes total sense, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> So what I'm a dreamer. <laughs> no, because uh, when I was a child, um, it's it's funny to believe because I'm I'm just such a blabber mouth now, and I talk a million words per minute, right? Like, oh my god, catch your panties, like, oof, muchacha. <laughs> but oh, um, no, I used to be very quiet, and I used to always be dreaming up things. Like, I felt like I wanted my life to be like this dream white like quality. Um, always dreaming about the ne next big thing to do or always dreaming about something peaceful and, and enjoyable like that. So let me ask you a quick question. What does Empodera Latina mean to you? Oh man, it means a lot of things. Um, I really do feel that when you're in a place of peace, you're at your most power because you're so comfortable in your own skin. And to give someone that ability to be themselves and, and wherever they are in life and, and telling them and congratulating them for being yourself, themselves and at peace with themselves. I think that's amazing because we need more people that feel comfortable in their own skin and that they're showing that every day 
of their life. I feel like um, we don't do that enough. You know, we don't encourage people to be themselves because we're always editing and trying to make sure people are powerful and cold hearted and like, like almost robotic of perfection. But we're, we're teaching people to embrace who they are. Are you a podcaster and having trouble trying to get an audience to connect to your podcast? Well, we have a solution. Join the largest global platform in the world for Latinas who podcast, latinapodcasters.com. Add your podcast to the directory and you'll get a lot more listenership to your podcast. For more information, go to latinapodcasters.com. Uh, all right, Luz, so we've gotten to La Hora del Poder or the Power Hour, and it's time for us to do our rapid fire questions. So for each one of these questions, bring power hour. All right. So for each one of these questions, I want you to answer as fast as possible. Okay. Just shoot them off at the top of your head. Okay. Whatever comes to your first and and don't think it don't don't overthink it. Okay. Okay. No breaks. No breaks. Okay. No okay. breaks. All right. <laughs> what was your favorite meal growing up? A mango. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Have you completed anything on your bucket list? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you have a nickname? Luchi. How did you get that nickname? I was that bad. <laughs> what telenovela did you watch growing up oh my god Luz Clarita <laughs> and, and that was the name and that was my nickname in uh in school uh who was your favorite sibling Ooh, I can't say that <laughs> <laughs> they all my favorite I like them all they all know how to cook let's put if you had a movie of your life, what cartoon character would you pick to play your life? Oh my God, Bugs Bunny. If you could be fluent in any other language, what language would you choose? That's, you know, I was speaking about language to my husband because I have a easy ability to pick up languages, but I really want to be fluent in Portuguese and Italian. I feel like I understand French a lot because I took it for so many years. And what's one thing that surprises you about life? Oh my God that it keeps on just bringing the mistakes full circle forward and telling you, see, that mistake wasn't a mistake. That was a blessing. Like that's every time that happens, I'm like, God, you did that once again. How could I doubt you? Well, Luz, it has been such an awesome pleasure to have you here, amiga. Siempre un placer de hablar contigo. Oh, te quiero mucho. You know that. You're my girl. Oh, thank you so much. And tell everybody how they can find out more information on your books and how they can connect with you. Sure. Okay, guys. So this is the time. Write it down. I want you to go to losemac.com. That's my website. That's where you get to see my books and other features as well as animations and Instagram filters. And you can follow me at Mac Official, which is the Instagram handle, and also on Facebook, Mac Official. You could reach out to me if you have any questions or want to just chat. I'm down for it. So, bienvenido a tu casa. All right? Thank you. And make sure that you guys pick up some of these books, you guys, because Luz has some really awesome, powerful stories and storylines behind these books. Share them with your cousins, your nephews, your nieces, your babies. Tus tías, tus abuelas, you never know. They might actually connect to it and be like, oh my God, I wish I would have heard this story when I was a kid. And mm -hmm. I hope that that's what happens 
with your stories. Loose is going to be the new Aesop's fables for Latinos. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Let's claim it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Empodera Latina podcast with your host, Rita Bautista. I'm hoping that you got a chance to fill yourself up with amazing, empowering stories from Latinas like you and I. For more information on Latina Podcasters Network, go to latinapodcasters.com. We also have a directory of over 70 podcasts listed there, all made by Latina and Latinx podcasters. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and all your social media platforms. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. And remember, keep it positive or don't keep it at all. Have you or a loved one tested positive for COVID-19 during the past five days? Those 18 and over may be eligible to take part in a clinical trial for a possible COVID-19 treatment. Participants will receive study-related care at no cost. To learn more, call 1-855-221-3671.